thoughts. And you know, last week we had uh, so many beautiful people just telling stories about you know what uh, what they missed, uh, what they long for when we come back together again. And, and so this this is just a this is a, a three part series. So part one was last week. This is part two. Um, kind of kind of looking at some of the practice of it, and then Johnny's going to take us into a, a lot more of the, the biblical background of what church is about. Um, for me, you know, I've, church has been the centre of my life for virtually all of my life, apart from three years. My first three years when I came up here to university, I drifted off in a whole different direction. Um, but it was funny because every time I passed a church building, there was something inside of me that kind of that, there was like a twinge of I'm sort of missing home. Um, but but it wasn't enough to kind of get me uh, back there. For it, it took that time to kind of come back. And, and I've got to say this: I I really love the church. I, it's you know for all its for all its foibles and for all the frustrations about it, it's amazing. You know, it's uh, as someone said, you know, the church is the hope for the world. And um, and it's and it's fascinating that the church is so important, and yet Jesus Jesus only spoke about it explicitly. I think twice. Um, I, I think he mentioned the word twice. Once, once he talks about it in Matthew 18, um, where, there's a, where there's an escalating dispute that they can't solve, and he says, so, so bring it to the church, and, and, and let, them, let them judge, let them, let them sort it. Uh, and then another part, his classic statement in, um, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18, where he says, and on, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not stop it. It's actually a picture of the gates of Hades, but it truly is. And uh, just in northern, uh, in northern Israel, um, it's, a, it's a you know I don't think it's like I don't think there's a way in. <coughs> Possibly not a way out either. Um, but it's a it's a really it's a really creepy part of the of, of nature. Um, every now and then the water just turns red, and it's it's like look, uh, you know, for centuries people have kind of been this is the, this is the gates of hell. This is this is where this is the portal between this life and the next. Um, and it, and it's interesting that in in some ways it's not surprising that Jesus didn't talk about the church because because for his for his physical ministry on earth the church at that point didn't exist. So you know it, it's somewhat somewhat not not surprising that he wouldn't talk that much about it. Um, but, but what he was doing through that whole three and a half years of being with the disciples was he was teaching them about kingdom life in a fallen world, which is, which is a series we've been up to. So, I, I mean, we are so organized. We've, we've taught about kingdom life in a fallen world. We, we spent some time looking at the kingdom. And now we're going to look at the church, and then, and then we'll change here completely in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but I think that's been a really important thing, because the church began on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated a few weeks back. Um, and, and, and what Jesus was teaching his disciples was, he was saying, this, this, these are my intentions from the Old Testament. Uh, and he reinterpreted them into, the, into what it would be for his new family. Um, and he taught them how to be a family. He, he, he taught them how to be a society. He taught them how to handle money. He taught them how to lead, how to take care, how to pray, how to give, uh, how to serve. How, you know, how, how, to, how to do life, in essence, in this new family. And that's what we've been learning from the previous two series. Uh, and so we're, we're into this part here where we're looking at the, the, the kingdom and what part does the church have to play with the kingdom? You know, I, 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 the, for some people, possibly it's kind of like, well, the kingdom and the church aren't, aren't they the same thing. And, and the truth is this, that they're very, very different. The kingdom of God... Um, is, uh, it comes from a, a beautiful word, Basileia, which just means the, the rule and the reign of God. And the, and the kingdom of God is not so much a geographical area, it's not the physical earth, it's not, you know, it, it's not some place we can kind of go, you know, this, this kind of territory here, is it? The kingdom of God is wherever people welcome 
his benevolent touch. It's wherever God is welcomed, the kingdom of God is there. When Jesus said things like, you know, by my finger, you know, the, the kingdom of God comes by, by, you know, when I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come. When, 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 a, when a sinner turns to God, the kingdom of God has come. He, he, he described it in those kind of ways. So the, so the kingdom of God is, is this place where his loving rule and reign is welcomed. You know, and, and the world is full of it, and yet we also know this, that, that the kingdom of God is, is, clearly, is clearly not in place here. We see, we see glimpses of it, we see touches of it, uh, and we also know this, that there's no place we can go where God isn't. And so it's not so much about the presence of God, because God's everywhere. There's nowhere where, where he hasn't been. And yet this kingdom, this, this loving, benevolent rule of God, is where he's welcomed. <clears throat> And, um, and, and there's a beautiful verse in Revelation 11, 15, where it says, And the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdom of our Christ and God. And then the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And we know we're, we're, we're leaning forward to this day when all the kingdoms, all the, all the principalities, all the, all the rules, all the, uh, all the governments of this world are all going to be swamped and caught up and become part of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is this, is this incredible, is this, is this promise that we see in the Old Testament, we see it right from the beginning, right through the end of the Bible. And, 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 and we know this, that, that um, again, that, we, that God lives outside of space and time. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's, it's, not, it's not like God's wondering what's, what might happen. He, he has this wonderful ability because he's God, he has this wonderful ability to be separate from his creation, to be separate from space and time. So he's, he's able to see the whole thing. He knows that at some point in time, everything is going to be made put, everything is going to be put right. And we, and we long for that place. <clears throat> and again, we know this, that creation is part of his kingdom. Uh, and we also know this, the church is part of his kingdom. You know, that, that he's created this church, he's, he birthed the church to be involved in the care of his creation. He hasn't changed his mind. And what we do know as New Testament believers is that the church is his main instrument to bring the kingdom. In the Old Testament, you know, and initially he used that first family to bring the kingdom. You know, Adam and Eve. And, and we know so much of the Old Testament is, is great hope and then hope stashed. You know, great, great obedience and then great disobedience. You know, so, so it was, and then we saw the family of Noah and, and great disobedience. Then, then we see Abraham and, and, his, and, his, um, and his family. We see Israel. And it's various ups and downs, and you, and you kind of get to the end of the Old Testament. You kind of you know, there's, there's this place of longing. There's this 400 years of silence, where we're longing to see what's he going to do. And as, a, as the remnants of, a, of an exiled nation come back uh, into the land of Palestine, uh, and it says, and, and in the fullness of time, the Messiah comes, and Jesus comes, and he talks about this new Adam. He talks about a new temple where heaven and earth will meet. And I guess, you know, in saying all that, I guess what I wanted to say was this, that the kingdom of God is huge, but the, but the church is not the kingdom. The church, is the, church is, the, is the vehicle that God's using to expand his kingdom. You know, we're, in a sense, you know, and it sounds disparaging, but church is the only show in town. You know, it, it's, it's what he's doing right now. It's, it's, not, it's not Israel, it's not a particular family, it's not a, it's not a particular heritage. It's the church that he's using, that he's displaying the manifest wisdom of God through. It's an, it's an incredible thing. And, and you know, it's probably important for us to pause and kind of ask this question, so why do we need the church? You know, there's possibly not one of us in this, in this room here today that couldn't say, I've, I've been hurt by the church. 
you know, and it's, and it's uh, you know, as a, as a pastor, I kind of hear that. I, I probably hear it often because you're sort of like a lightning rod for it. And, uh, you know, I've been hurt by the church. And I, I'm always kind of wanting to just slow people down and say, were you hurt, were you hurt by two billion people? Or were you hurt by just a handful of people? Because we don't get hurt by the church. We get hurt by people. And hurt people hurt people. You know, and the reality is this, that, it, that, that none, of us, none of us can be in a, in a group of human beings without being offended at some point, without, without having our feelings hurt. You know, it's just impossible to be with a bunch of people, even, even beautiful people like you all in this building today. Even, even for us, it's probably impossible that at some point we haven't really irritated one another, that we haven't, that we haven't upset one another, the things we did or the things we didn't do, the things we promised or the things that we, you know, we, we didn't promise. And, and it's just, you know, we, we get hurt by people, not the church. The church is just people. <clears throat> um, second of all, you know, the, the, the nature of relationships and the nature of our relationship with God is, is that he puts the lonely in families. And so, and so part of the nature of the church is that, that, he, 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 that he puts within us this longing to be part of a, of a local group of people. He, he, he puts us in a place where we can know and be known. There's something very beautiful about having people around you who, who actually know at times what a jerk you can be and still believe in you. I mean, that's one of the glories of church. That could just be about me. But, um, but, but, but there's something really comforting about that, that, that you just kind of know that people love me and they also know me. They know what I'm capable of. They know that at, at times I'm capable of quite noble things and really kind things. And other times they know that I'm, quite, you know, I can be quite selfish and I, I can I can miss things. You know, and, and lockdown. I, you know, and some of the stories we were hearing last week and some of the stories I've heard from other places have been this that, you know, lockdowns made a lot of people ask, why bother? You know, why would we bother with the hassle of church? You know, we can listen to the best podcasts, you can listen to the best live streams, you can, you know, you can read the best books, you can, you can listen to the best courses, you can listen to the best worship music, you know, or, you know, or, or, or people are kind of like, you know, I, I actually feel closer to God by myself, you know, I feel closer to God when I'm, when I'm driving in my car, I feel closer to God when I'm, when I'm under the water, or, or on the water, or on top of the water, or in the water, or up a mountain, or on a walk, or on a bike, or, you know, or climbing a mountain, or, you know, when I'm in a cafe with friends, or when I'm having a beer with my mates, you know, I feel closer to God in those situations, you know, and you, know, and, and you kind of go, yeah, that's true, <clears throat> at times, and yet, and yet he calls us into family, he calls us to kind of figure this thing out, to be together, and, and so I want to read you a couple of scriptures here, and um, I'll kind of I'll, I'll bang on this. It's a funny show, but uh, um, for he himself is our peace. Um, Ephesians two verses fourteen. We're going to read right through to twenty-two. Um, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. They're talking about Jews and non-Jews, those who are part of God's original family and and those who are outside of that family. It says that he made the two two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. And his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, and thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, that's us, and peace to those who are near, that's, that's people who, who already were in relationship or were, were part of that, uh, the, the nation of Israel. Um, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. 
And so consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a temple, a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And, and I guess all of this, and there's a lot of verses that I could have kind of referenced this morning, but I, but I think one of the things that you notice right away as you start reading in the New Testament, you know, after the ascension of Jesus, as you start reading this, this longing that Jesus has, that the passion of Jesus is that we would be one. That we would be one family. That, that we would come together. That, that we wouldn't, you know, that I, I think one of the things that, that we'll often miss as Westerners is, is that the Bible is written to a collective. It's not written to us, as, the, the promises are not written to us as individuals. They're written to us as the church. Everything that Jesus gave was to the church. He didn't give it to Lloyd, he, he gave it to the church. And there's this and there's a wonderful kind of sense that it's a collective, it's not an individualistic. And then the second thing that's really important is, is that God's given the gospel, one of the, one of the most beautiful gifts that he's given the church is the gospel. That he gave that to the church to give away. The gospel's a gift that he, that he gave the church to carry on his mission, his love. You know, and, and we, we the church, together, um, carry that intentionally and unintentionally. You know, and it's a, it's a good question to kind of ask, so what's the gospel? And, and, and it's, fascinating, it's fascinating when you're, you know, for, for us who have been raised in even evangelicalism, you know, I, I can kind of give you the four spiritual laws, you know, I can give you all sorts of explanations, but it's fascinating what Paul said. Uh, you know, he, he writes to Timothy and he says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. That's my gospel. <laughs> well, it's a bit different from the one I shoot around sometimes, but, um, you know, well, there's a separation between us and God. And, and, you know, you know it's, it's interesting. It's this, it's this family line thing that he's talking about there. Remember Jesus, raised from the dead, descended from David. You know, that, that, this, that this Messiah, that, that, that God has never missed a beat. That this thing has been, that there's nothing going to stop this church. There's nothing going to stop what God's going to do in his church. And the first church leaders had a very clear message that they preached. You know, if you, if you read through Acts, it says they preached Christ and they preached the, and they preached the kingdom of God. Preach those two things. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? And so proclaiming the gospel in, in word and in deed is a primary activity for the church and for its members. <coughs> And so for us as, a, as, as Urban Vineyard, as, 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 a, as a local expression of this global church, you know, for us, the most important thing we can do is, is center all of our activity around the gospel. That, that has to be around this thing of this is, this is what God's given his church to carry forward. That, that, that we're gospeling people. The gospel is the center of our purposes. You know, if, if, we're, if, if we're not, then gospel just simply means good news. So, so if we're not being good news, we're not the church, you know. We're 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 missing what he's what he's asked us to do. If our if our message, if our actions aren't good news, we're not acting like the church. And, and then again, you know, it's it's important to kind of pause and just kind of think. You know, the church has been empowered to carry forth this mission of the church. So so he gave us the gospel, and then on the day of Pentecost, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He empowered us by the Holy Spirit to carry this message forward. You know, to to heal the sick. Um, to care for and to love the poor, to bring freedom and liberty to the oppressed, you know, and, and so on and so on. We, you know, we, we know, you know, in a, in a sense, when Jesus stood up 
that day in that synagogue and, and opened the scroll and began to read for the spirit of the Lord is upon me um, to preach the gospel and, and he began to just outline that's what the gospel is and that's what, that's what the primary purpose of us as a gathered group of people is to be oh, oh, um, you will have heard Vicky tell the story but when we, when we planted our last church which might have even been this church way way back before it's, before it's multiplied and multiplied and um, but, but Vicky said to Penny Fulton, who was who, they were part of the original group that started the Vineyard uh, movement, and and she, Vicky asked Penny, you know, what, God, have, do you have any advice for us as when we plant again? And Penny's advice for her, for her was just simply never stop praying for the sick, never stop praying for the sick, because it's the easiest thing in the world to stop doing that. You know, all the pressures, everything will just cause us to pull back from that. So, so you know, for us as a church, you know, and we, and, and as we come back from a from a a, a global uh, um, disruption. And she said, never oh. stop doing the ministry. Never stop doing the ministry of Jesus. You know, the the God, what we read about, He did in the Gospels. Never stop doing the ministry and never stop praying for the sick. There you go. That's the, that's the good oil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> but isn't that a beautiful thing? Never stop doing the ministry. You know, just keep on doing what we're made for. You know, and it's and it's really easy for church and it's really easy for Christians to, to just to slowly drift off because it's hard. You know, I mean, gospeling is quite hard work sometimes. You know, I, I mean, it's really cool when people are really interested. <laughs> I mean, I love sharing the story of Jesus. I, I love talking about my faith when people are interested. It's just not that much fun with people that aren't. You know, and and you know, and we live in a very secularized society, <clears throat> and. You know, and, and so and so these, you know, for us as a church, you know, as we as we come back from this disruption, it's like now we need to make sure that as we as we find ourselves, we organise ourselves around that this needs to be the central organising principle. It's got to be around the gospel. It's got to be around this thing of 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 the ministry, you know, continuing the ministry of Jesus. That, that, you know, that's why we always try and stop and pause and, and and listen for the gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever we meet together. See if there's a, see if God wants to heal anybody amongst us. See if He wants to touch anyone. See if He wants to um, speak some wisdom or speak some knowledge to somebody. You know, that's why we're always looking for ways to serve and love our cities. We're always looking for ways to be, you know, life-giving good news for the city that we find ourselves in. And, you know, and and I've got to say this: it's really it's really easy to drift from that because it's because there's so many things we can do. There's so many there's so many kind of quite good things that the church could do. There's so many quite good things that, that Christians can do. But it's got to be around the thing of the gospel. And you know, and I I kind of think that this is quite a critical time for us. I think, you know, I I, I think the disruption has caused us to go. What do we love? You know, what do we miss? You know, and we realise we actually miss being with each other. You know, that was. I think that was the biggest message that I heard last week was I'm, I, I actually miss being with you people, um, and that's certainly what I felt. It was it was like I, you know, I can get teaching, you know, and I can listen to great music, and I I, I can read books, and you know, I, I can get information, but but I can't get with people. It, it, this that's the longing that I wanted that that I, that, that I, I longed for. That's the longing that I longed for. It's quite deep, really, isn't it? Um, you know. So the reality is we. we <laughs> Deep this morning, um, but we meet for the sake of others, and, and I think one of the, again one of the things um, one of the things about about what we're trying to do here as Urban Vineyard, um, you know, as one of many local churches in this city that we love, 
Now, one of the things that, that I think is really important for us to remember is each one of us brings something of great value. You know, it, we, we, actually, we, we actually accomplish so much by just showing up. That's amazing. You, you know, it's, it's not that this church thing's hard. you just got to turn up. And, and, and there's a sense, you know, I, I know as a, you know, when I brought guests or when I brought family, you know, I'm, I'm, in my head I'm kind of thinking, I, I think they're really like this person. I, I can't wait to introduce them to that person and then that person's not there. You kind of go, oh, that's a bummer. Um, you know, I read the rest of us weirdos. But <laughs> teasing, teasing, teasing. <laughs> But you know that kind of that kind of sense. You invite someone. You just you know. Kind of, I I think I'd really like that. You know this person and this person and this person. I can't wait to introduce them because they're going to see something about Jesus in them that that I can't give them. You know I I'm I'm, I'm too close. I, I bring this facet of what Jesus is like. But everybody else brings something else. You know when someone walks into a room like this, they see the multifaceted Christ. You know, they see, they see so many different reflections of him. And as we have conversations, we, see, we hear and see different parts of him. You know, and, and I'm, I'm not saying this to make us feel bad, but just the reality that just our presence makes a difference. You know, when, when a guest walks into this place, our presence, our smile, our, our welcome, you know, our, our reaching for a moment and seeing, I wonder if God wants to say anything to that person. I wonder, I wonder if there's some... I wonder if there's a need for some encouragement for them. You know, it's that that makes a difference. Um, let me let me get a little bit technical, just for a moment. But you know, the church exists in a lot of different forms. But the church, the, the word church, when we read it in the in the scriptures, comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which which you know was the description of the town council. It was it was a group from the from the midst of the people for a particular purpose. So so it's this kind of sense of being called together for a purpose. And, um, and we know this, that the church is, that, that for us, we're called out from the, from the population around us so that we can carry the gospel. So in word and deed, we can bring this thing to the, to the folks around us and love them to life. And, and what Jesus and the, and the apostles did was that they brought, they brought special meaning to that word. And this word church kind of exists in a number of different ways. You know, we know, you know, for, I don't think my list here is extensive, but, but the church is, you know, where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, he's there in our midst. You know, it just takes two or three people. You know, one of the things that we practice here is we, is we often practice this thing of having just groups of three people meeting together to disciple each other. You know, and, and as a result of that, giving that life away. Uh, but where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, that's the church. Um, there's the church in your house, and, and a lot of the early church was was just simply a church that that was you know it, it was a few families um, and and, a, and the people that were around those families that gathered together in a church in a town. Um, then there was a bigger form which was like a neighborhood church, and a lot of the a lot of the early church archaeologists have discovered that they were just they were just like big big family homes with the interior walls knocked out. So so they were they were bigger than a house, but they were smaller than a city church. And, you know, and for us, we're a congregation. Urban Vineyard is a congregation. We're not the church. You know, we're just a congregation of the bigger church. And then there's a church in a city. Um, so, you know, when you read the book to, to uh, the book called Ephesians, it's, it's a letter that was written to a church that gathered in the city. It was, it was the whole expression of the church in Ephesus. Um, so, there's, so there's a city church. And for us, you know, we're part of the Church of Auckland. You know, I, I love it that right now, all around our city, thousands of people are gathering together to worship, to learn, to minister, 
to catch again the importance of the gospel and to give it away for the rest of the week. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing. Then there's a church, there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a regional or a national church when you read the book of Galatians. It was, it was a, a region of Galatia. And, and Paul would write to that, to that wider group of the church. Um, you know, and, and for us, you know, there's something very special about the church in Aotearoa. We carry something special. We, we carry something unique that we bring to the whole church. There's something that God's given to, to, to Urban that's, that's special for the church in, in Auckland. There's something special that God's given to the nation of, of New Zealand for the whole church. And then there's a worldwide church. And again, you know, today we're, we're a very blessed people because we start, we start this rhythm of right around the world for the next 24 hours, people are going to gather together. You know, even though it's inconvenient, even though they don't feel like it at times, even though it's kind of, ah, I'm annoyed with that person. You know, I, I mean, for, you know, every hour that's, that's happening, for 20, 24 one-hour periods, people are waking up and going like, can I be bothered? Do I want to do this thing again? And, and yet, two billion of us are going to do it. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing, isn't it, that we, that we gather together. And, and there's a number of pictures of the, of the church in the, in the scriptures. I won't, I won't go through them all. But probably one of the most beautiful pictures is the, is the beginning of the church. And I don't think that the, that the church in Acts is necessarily the model for how everything is meant to be. I, I, think, it was, I think it was church 1.0. And, and then as that generation you know, passed on, then there was church 2.0. I, I don't know what generation of the church we are now, you know, but, but we are, each generation has to, has to discover and has to engineer and has to form the church. To be, to be um, congruent with the community around them, and, but the message never changes, uh, you know, and the model never, well, the model changes, but the, yeah, the message never ever changes, it's, it's always, and the mission never changes, it's always, the message is Christ crucified, and the mission is always to give the good news away, it, it, it's, it's always the same. And it says, in, it says here in, in, um, in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, which we're going to do in a moment, to prayer. Um, everyone was filled with awe with the one, signs and wonders that were performed. Uh, the believers were together. There was unity. Uh, they had everything in common. They, they, they met one another's needs. They, 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 built these, they built missions and sent people out. They, sent, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together uh, with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to them daily those who were being saved. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of the church. You know, and like I said, I don't, I don't think the intention of a church in the 21st century in Auckland is meant to be, how do we get back to Acts 1 or Acts 2? I, I think it's, what, is it, what does it mean for that heart of the gospel? What does that mean for us? You know, and I, I think... You know, probably for the rest of this year, I, I think I think that I think the pandemic has been almost a, a, an opportunity. It's been a disruption, and it's been a, it's been a. I, I think we're going to find it's been a helpful disruption for the life of the church, for us to kind of go, what's important? You know, we don't want to just keep doing the same old, same old, and getting the same old results. What's important for us? You know, for Urban, it's going to be one of the things that we're going to be urging all of us to be praying about and saying, what? You know, he's, he's blessed us. You know, he's, he's brought us together. We love each other. We enjoy each other's company. You know, we're, we're glad to be with each other. And what, but what's he up to with us? Um, look at the time. I, I, should, I should hurry along a little. Um, let, me, let me skip a few things here. Um, this... I think there are some things that are really common that the church should hold. 
Um, and, and over the years, different people have tried to kind of say, this, this, is what, this is the difference between just a, people, a group of people who hang out and a church. And um, I, I call this Luther's marks of the church, but I'm not sure. I, I, don't, know if you'd, I don't know if you'd own it, actually, but, um, but we'll just... It could be Fred Luther um, or Marjorie Luther. Uh, but these are the things that kind of make... There's a the difference between just a bunch of... A clump of people hanging out together and a group of people hanging out together and being a church. Number one, that they're a gathered group of believers. Eugene Peterson, he said this when he was asked about the church. He said, he said Eugene Peterson's, uh, you know, he, he's written so many beautiful books and given us the message version of the Bible. But he said, church is an appointed gathering of named people in other words, we know each other. You know, we, we belong. That we're, we're in a family. A church is an appointed gathering of named people in particular places who practice a life of resurrection in a word in which death gets the biggest headlines. Oh, that's quite good, isn't it? I quite like that a lot. Uh, it, it's so, so beautiful. You know, so, so one of the first mark of the church is it's, it's, a, it's a named group of people who come together and decide, I'm going to build my life with these people. I'm going to raise my children with these people. You know, I, I, I'm going to grow old with these people. It's, I, you know, that's that's one of the beautiful things about church. Um, again, this this uh, this is not this is not particularly biblical, but there's different models of you know you get a bunch of people together, and and there's, and there's three kind of different models of how people will gather together or clump together. You know, you know, one is one is the bound and set, and sadly sometimes church does practice it like this, which is there's an in crowd and there's an out crowd. There's that there's, that there's very distinct, you know, this is what you don't do, this is what you don't practice. You know, uh, what have I written up there? There's, there's clear, distinct boundaries. There's dominant leadership. There's parent-child relationships. Um, that there is, in other words, you know, the, the leaders tell the, tell the people, this is what you have to do. There's, there's that control part that's involved in it. There's visibility and success is really important. Conformity and performance. And, you know, and sometimes, sadly, church does organise it that way. Usually it's out of fear. And, and sometimes it's out of very good motives. It's kind of like we, you know, we need to really get our act together. We're, we're a mess. You know, we're, we're full of such broken people. We need to get some standards around here. You know, we need to up our game for crying out loud. Um, and then the second set is is the fuzzy set, which is just a bunch of people who just hang out. There's no, there's no, there's no kind of, there's no boundaries. There's no defi- no definition. It's anarchy. It's just everyone does what everyone feels like doing. It's laissez-faire. It's anti-structure, anti-leadership. It's the church that do- the church exists that doesn't exist. You know, it's that kind of sense that we just, you know, we just we just follow the spirit. But the reality is that that church is just. I, I, it's a funny thing, you know. You can you can sort of come together for a cause, but you don't, but your lives aren't bound together. There's something that's beautiful that takes place when when we become the church together. And then the third one is just the, the sense of a centered, a centered church, where some people, you know, some people are kind of right on the periphery. Some people are kind of, some people are moving towards the center. Some people are kind of going like, I really love this, I want more. And some people are kind of maybe even drifting away from the center of it. But there's no boundaries. There's, there's, but there's a clear moving center because we're following Jesus. And he's always on the move. You know, and for us as a church, we see ourselves as a centered church. We don't have a membership. But, the, but, but how we figure out who's, who's in, you know, who, who's, who's part of this church? You know, who do we, who, who's, who's part of urban? It's, are we moving towards the same thing? Are we loving what Jesus is doing amongst us? Because that, that's the center. We're not, we're not signing membership books. We're not, we're not joining in any sense. 
Um, it's adult-to-adult relationship. It's, you know, that we feel like we're drawn, not driven. The teamwork's so important. Uh, and then, very quickly, just to pull this to a close, uh, the reality is this. <clears throat> I'm not even sure what that one is. <laughs> but gosh, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Where's that? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's my final one. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta back up. <coughs> Thought it was pretty smart. Um, the, the, the second mark. Of the, so the first mark is a gathered group of believers. We, we, we're, we're known. We're named. We're part of this. We're not. We're not part of everything. You know. We're, you know. We're, we're. You know. We're not. We're not too timely. We're not. We're not cheating on our spouse. You know. We're. we're we're part of this church. We belong here. Um, this worship and this fellowship. You, you know, this. You know, I loved how Jono and the team just led us in worship. That, you know, with simple songs, they they just helped us move our attention from, you know, all the things that so that so kind of busy our minds and our hearts and our and, and our ears, and just through singing simple songs together, we we, we again we center around Jesus. We kind of go that, that that's the, that's the important thing. There's the preaching of the Word of God, which hopefully I'm doing now. There's the practice of the ordinances. There's two things that Jesus asked the church to do. Um, there's, there's lots of things that, that church tradition does, but there's only two things that Jesus actually asked the church to do. One was, one was baptism, and, and one was the Lord's Supper, or the, the table of the Lord, or communion, or whatever language, the Eucharist, whatever, whatever language you would use. And um, Johnny may even talk a little bit about, about this a bit more next week. But those are the two things that, God asked, that, that Jesus asked the church to practice. Uh, nothing else. He just said, in, in this meal that we're going to celebrate in a moment, it's remember me. Remember the gospel. Remember Jesus, Jesus Christ uh, crucified and risen uh, in the line of David. Uh, number five is, is there's an oversight of the conduct of the church. There's the sense that, that when we come together, it, it's, not a, it's not that fuzzy thing where it's just like anything goes. It, it's that there's, 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 you know, you read about um, in, in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, that says that God's given to the church um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip the people to do the works of ministry. And, and one of the beautiful things, you know, it would be easier to be a Christian by myself, but, but I would never have the fingerprints of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers on me. And, and I, would, I would forever be a baby Christian who gets offended all the time, you know, who, who kind of heads off on some crazy direction and gets excited about this. And, you know, there's something about the, the fingerprints of other people, of gifted leaders, that actually makes a difference in a person's life. It causes us to grow up and become mature. And we need each other, you know. And, and in this room here, there's people who are gifted in those different ways. We, we need exposure. We, we may not enjoy it at times. We may, not, we may not kind of feel like we need it at times, but we do. We have to be shaped by, by the gifts that God's given the church. And then finally, there's church government, which sounds scary, but I think it just means biblical leadership. That, that there's a sense of the church is going somewhere. That, that, there's, that there's just, it's, it's not just we kind of hang out. Um, because you can do that in a party. You know, you can do that in so many different ways. But it's, but it's this beautiful thing of where we're heading somewhere. And so the gospel is that Jesus is our king. And that he's utterly good. And that he's completely powerful. That he's full of love and mercy. That he's the king who, who knows the individual and loves the individual. And he's building one church. And, and that's, 
I guess in this series, that's what we're trying to lead us into, is, is the sense that, you know, we, we are a nation of do-it-yourselfers. And, and the crazy thing is that we bring that same thing to the church. That we're kind of like, well, I can hear from God myself. Well, of course you can. That's, that's, what's being, that's what's called being a Christian. And having received the Holy Spirit, He teaches us. But are you prophetic? You know, are, are you, you know, is, is someone who's pastoral shaping you? Are you caught up in something that's bigger than yourself? Are you, are you, able, to, are you able to bring your friends and, and, and let them see something bigger than just the Christ that you represent? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? I, I, I know all this can sound like it's just a pastor kind of doing the come on, come to church, people. <laughs> I think he's doing something beautiful. I think the church, you know, when, when I stop, when I stop uh, being a leader of a church, I tell you what, I, I want to be led by someone in the church. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't expect to be a leader of the church for much of my life. It's just, it's just a, a little period when he's asked me to do it. I'm, I'm happy to kind of put my hand up and say, yeah, until you say, until you shift, until there's fresh orders, I'll, I'll happily do that. But there's something about being led by people. There's something about the, the sense of corporate wisdom and, and corporate mission that's bigger than ourselves. You know, and you know, and, and if anything, I think as Kiwis, you know, I, I honestly think we have to repent of our do-it-yourself approach to Christianity. You know, it's like I can be church by myself because it's way too much bother with other people because they're annoying. You know, there's, there's, there's something about that that we've got to, you know, I can dig this out. I don't want, I'm not having anyone tell me what to do. I mean, that, that's the result of, you know, many of us have come from, from um, you know, from very brave settlers in the, in the last couple of centuries that have come here. Uh, and, and even even the Tangata Whenua, the very first people that came to our nation, it was, you know, we need space. We need our own place. We need to come here. And there's something about when you when you come to a place that doesn't have an established order, you, it's, it's very easy to kind of feel like, I can do this myself. I don't need anybody else. I actually think church is a voluntary, it, it's this voluntary um, discipline of saying, I actually want other people to speak to me. I, I want my life to be read. I, I don't want to be the, the captain of my own soul. I don't want to make my own decisions. I want to be led. Anyway, that's... That's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs>